Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. It's the Creative Pep Talk Podcast with me, Andy J. Miller, commercial artist, illustrator, design kind of guy. I don't know what it is I do. I do a lot of different things. If you want to look at any of those things, take a look, www.andy-j-miller.com. You can see some of uh, the stuff that I make. So, I've done a few episodes. I've been thinking a lot about uh, what makes, um, what's the strengths and weaknesses of it, and um, what I like and what I don't like. Um, some of the things I've kind of realized is I like that it's casual. I like that uh, it feels like a conversation, um, and you know I like it to be a little bit regular. So those are those are the kinds of things I really like, and then thinking and digging deeper into what the purpose of this is for myself and the purpose um, for other people. I've been thinking about, you know, if I understand the purpose of what this is and the kind of vision of what it's supposed to do, um, that's going to make it easier for me to come up with good content um, and kind of be able to recognize ideas when I have them that fit. Um, So that's kind of why I always reiterate what... Um, I'm trying to do with this. I think it's partially just, just so I can kind of dig deeper and understand myself what it is this is supposed to be doing for other people, um, as well as for myself. And so I think that, um, I think that what I'm realizing is, is that I, what I want to do is I identify areas that are important area, important things to think about. Um, for commercial artists, help um, give you ideas on how to gain clarity in your thinking regarding these areas to enable breakthroughs in your in your career. So that's kind of what this is about. And um, on the surface level, that looks like it's a kind of pep talk, just saying like. If uh, I think what happens is if, if you're hitting roadblocks um, or you're getting discouraged or you're um, kind of in a funk, you might not even realize it. But um, maybe if I can breathe some fresh wind into um, into your sails and, and maybe identify something that you haven't really worked on yet or you haven't been thinking about, even if it's just a reminder, then you can leave feeling like you have 
new work to do that can kind of um, maybe revitalize um, your thing or maybe give you some ideas on how to make a breakthrough and the path that you're on. So that's kind of what this is about. And I I apologize for reiterating it so many times, but every time it's a little bit different because I feel like I'm kind of carving away what this thing is supposed to be um, for myself and for you. So today what I've been thinking about, something I've thought a lot about um, and I'm interested in is self-awareness. Now, every time I talk about self-awareness, I feel like I'm, I don't know, I sound like some kind of weird um, spiritualist Zen master, and I'm, <laughs> it sounds like such an egotistical thing to be like, I've gained self-awareness, and now it's your turn. As I, <laughs> that's definitely not true. I don't think, I don't know what level of self-awareness that I have. You know, there's some areas, I think, that I'm like Michael Scott, probably, where, you know, I think I'm being really funny and really helpful and, and, and witty and really everybody's rolling their eyes. And, you know, I, I think about, I'm sure there's areas in my life where, um, my self-awareness is at the level of, uh, Michael Scott. And then I think there's other areas that I've worked really hard at trying to develop a deeper self-awareness. Um, at the end of the day, I don't think it's about whether you're you're extremely self-aware or not. I think it's about whether you're growing in your self-awareness. Um, and I think that that's the key to developing your um, career, one of the main keys. And so the reason, the problem is this. I think that if you lack self-awareness, then you are living a lie because if you're not self-aware about who you are and what you're actually doing what you're um, good at what you're bad at when you're offending people when you're lifting people up when you're when people are really responding to what you're doing and when people um, aren't uh these are all things that fall under being self-aware. And um, I feel like it's so easy to think that you're winning in something when you're really not or think that you're failing when you're really not. I think if you're not self-aware, you're not even going to know when you're being successful. You're not even going to know when you are being when, – when what you're doing is fulfilling. You're not even going to know when you're finding your thing, when you're doing something that's right in your zone – versus something that's way off on a side road. Now, this brings me to kind of my main point about what the problem with a lack of self-awareness really is. And I think it's the, the biggest problem is that if you don't have a level of self-awareness of, um, and I think that also means you don't have a level of like what's authentic for you and what's not, the biggest pitfall is that you could spend your whole life on a side road that's a meaningless kind of... Um I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, 
It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Side thing where you're doing something that you should have never been doing, that you're not the best at doing, that isn't really developing. You're not living your real life. You're living a side road life, a life that maybe you were never meant to live. And I think if you're not self-aware and you're not picking up on how you're feeling, what you're, how you're thinking, how people are responding to you, you're likely to um, end up on a side road and spend a lot of time there. Um, and that's just wasted time. So for those of you that are familiar with this podcast, you know I like analogies, good ones, bad ones, everything in between. And, you know, I already talked about Michael Scott. You know, I think about how Michael Scott to me is the epitome of the lack of self-awareness. You know, there there's episodes, um, like if you think about the episode of The Office, if you're not familiar with Michael Scott, he's the boss uh, in the show The Office. It's Steve Carell. Um, if you think about his, uh, there's, there's a few episodes where they're trying to, where the office is trying to, uh, schmooze Michael Scott. One of them's when they're trying to get him to decide whether to use the surplus in the budget for the copier, for a new copier or for new chairs. And so everybody's trying to win his affections. And in that time, He's walking around, and everybody's giving him high fives. Everybody's laughing at all his jokes. Everybody's uh, um, thinks he's really attractive, and all that stuff. And I almost felt like when I watched that episode, like this is what happens every day in Michael Scott's mind. This is what he thinks the office is like most of the time. Because he talks about how he thinks he's hilarious and everybody thinks he's hilarious and, you know, he has a chance with all the ladies and all that stuff. You get the sense that this office environment, which is completely different, where everybody is really trying to uh, butter him up, 
he thinks it's kind of like that all the time. And although that in real life would be really sad, it's really funny in that in the office. But so to me, it's like really not understanding what the environment is telling you, what the industry is telling you, um, what your friends and family are telling you, what your what yourself is telling you. It can lead you to live just a life that that's just not um, that that that's just just lacks uh, reality. And so it made me start thinking of uh, Truman from the Truman Show. Started thinking about how living on this side road um, and being unaware of it. The best example I have for that is like. Truman. If you've seen the Truman Show, the idea is just that every moment of his life is a show, and he's unaware of it. So every relationship he has is is fake. Every um, moment in his life was planned, and it's filmed as reality TV. But he's he doesn't know it. Now I think that is so much like a life lacking self awareness. I feel like if you go through your life and in your art career, um, you're not aware of. Uh, who's being fake to you and who's, um, how you're feeling about things and you're not present in the moment and you're not, um, aware of how other people are perceiving you and aware of how you're feeling about things. Um, you're going to not realize that all these people around you are just going through the motions. You know, I see this sometimes with, uh, when, when there's a critique of people's work. I think especially when people don't really like, generally like the work isn't, isn't going well, people will find something small that they do like about the work, and then everybody will, will repeat the same thing. And it'll never change because it's the go-to thing. Um, it's, it reminds me of um, the episode of Friends where... Um, they're watching Joey. He's an actor. He's doing um, a new show. It's the, I think it's the Mac and Cheese show where he's like <laughs> acting with a robot as like a detective or something. And it's like the worst thing that all the other people had ever seen. And when he goes out of the room, they're like, what do we tell him? Like, what, what do we tell him that's good about this? Um, and they, they, they have all the same feedback that they always use. Because nobody wants to be like, look, what you're doing is terrible. You're totally in the wrong game. Like I imagine, I think I've talked about it before, it kind of reminds me of Michael Jordan playing baseball. Can you imagine anybody, can you imagine even the, um, the, the, the baseball league as a whole being like, eh, no thanks, Michael Jordan. I know you're probably maybe the greatest athlete ever. Um, when it comes to basketball, but no, nah, we don't really want you. Like, he wasn't good at baseball. Like, how many people on the team said, look, man, you're in the wrong game, you know? But I guarantee he got the sense of it. He got how really pe- people really felt because he eventually got out of the game. And I feel like that's what part of, partially what self-awareness is about is being able to pick up on feedback and see the cues. And I think with Truman Show, if you think about it like this, self-awareness to me, um, I think it's about how everything, including part of your brain, wants you to believe the surface level. They want to kind of keep 
the truth away from you, even just out of being polite um, or out of survival or out of keeping the peace. And I think what you have to start looking for in your work and in feedback, in your interaction with clients and when and people's response online and your friends and family and your peers and your mentors, you have to start looking for those little moments and you have to start identifying those little moments like when Truman starts seeing, he starts seeing the same cars drive around the block. Even though that's probably happened to him his whole life, he's just been oblivious to it. He's not noticing those little things. And he starts noticing people deflecting and cars stopping in front of him. And he's starting to get a sense like, this isn't my real life. And I think the more self-aware you are, the more you reject the superficial side roads and the more that you push onto what your real path is. Now, I think that um, the, thing, the reason why self-awareness solves these problems I think partially it's because when you're self-aware, you're very aware of your emotions and your thoughts. And I think that this is so key to developing a real taste, a taste that goes beyond trends, goes beyond popularity, goes beyond your environment, the, what, other, what people like that, um, you know, I think especially to the people that live in big cities, that's a big problem. That's something that you're going to have to fight really bad. If you live in New York City and you're surrounded by 15 other illustrators and designers every day and you're in this bubble, it's going to be hard for you to know what your taste is to differentiate it from other people's. And if you can't figure out what really moves you different to other people, your work is going to be watered down. You're going to be doing the side road thing. I think it's so important to, 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 be, to be aware of when things are moving you. You know, when I graduated college, I felt like I really needed to, uh, I felt like my work just wasn't as original as I wanted it to be. I never thought it was completely derivative. I never thought that it was bad. I just felt like it didn't feel as honest as it should be. It didn't, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't passionate about um, these things in a really deep way. Yeah, And so I started to try to take a log of when something really emotionally, when I was having a visceral reaction to something, not when I thought, mm, that's cool, or this kind of cool, or, you know, I'm kind of like digging that. That's all like superficial. When was it that I saw a movie and my heart, and I had a feeling, a strong feeling, what was happening during that time? What was it about that that moved me? When did I read a book? When did I see a an image or a song that it spoke through my um, superficial self and my persona and what I think is cool and it hit me down on a deeper level and I couldn't even help but be emotional. When were the times when I heard a story that made me cry and I was trying not to cry, you know, when I was trying to fight my feelings and start picking up on those and cataloging them and understanding like, I'm getting a, I'm getting, when I, when the, when I encounter these things, this makes me really emotional. That's the type of work I want to make. So being self-aware of taking account of when you're feeling something, when you're thinking something, I think that that helps you develop your taste. Another way that I think being kind of present and aware of, of yourself and then also aware of other people and your surroundings 
you know, I think some of this maybe breaks out of self-awareness and some of it's about being present. Um, but I think self-awareness can mean a lot of different things. It can mean being aware of yourself and what ha- what's happening um, in you and who you are and what you're thinking and feeling. Also being aware of how other people are perceiving you. Um, but yeah, the other thing I think um, that's really important to kind of have that in the moment presence and in that kind of awareness of what's going on within you is starting to identify when you're having an idea. I think that this is such a big deal because I think we all have ideas. I think we're all, you know, I think that all of the ideas that we have are already in us somewhere. And, uh, it's a matter of, I think a big part of the difference between people that are successful with their ideas and then people that aren't are people that are aware when they're having a good idea and noticing um, what the circumstance is. So not only being, a, being aware, I just had an idea and I need to get it down. I need to jot it down or sketchbook it, but also being aware of what circumstance, when, when did I have this idea? What things led to that idea? What thoughts, what feelings did I just eat? Did I just wake up? Is it night? Is it morning? Is it, um, was I on a walk? Was I in bed? Was I in the shower? Was I sat in front of my computer? Was I sketchbooking? Noting all of that stuff is going to maximize your ability to, to create good work. Um, I think one of the biggest things about self-awareness when it comes to your work and why this is such a, uh, a big idea is that the ability to know when something is working in your work and when something is not working I've seen so many people, and I've experienced it myself, we get stubborn because we think we figured something out that we didn't figure out. That is so huge. To know the difference when you really have solved a problem and when you really haven't. When you've made a development in your style and when you really haven't, but you've convinced yourself that you have. That kind of denial and, and delusion is so detrimental. When you think that something in your work is something that your work is all about, when it's really not you being you, or when really it's not as good as you thought it was, or maybe someone responded to it, but you weren't aware enough to notice that they weren't genuinely responding to it. They were just mirroring your emotions. That's huge. That's scary huge can be kind of scary how, how uh, deep you can get in something and how much you can convince yourself that something's working in your work that's not. I don't think you should cause this point or you should let this, uh, re- you know, rethink everything that you're doing. And I, you know, I don't think you trust me that much or respect me that much to do that anyway. But just as a caution, don't make that um, scratch everything uh, that um, that you've ever done, but just I do think it's worth thinking about. You know, I think, for instance, in my work, I thought about I convinced myself that I didn't want to do animals and people for a long time. That I didn't want to do them. I didn't like doing them. I only wanted to do kind of um, creatures of my own invention. But the truth is, when I got quiet, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the ways I think you can kind of increase your self-awareness, 
And I listened to the real voices and I did some experiments and I tried some stuff. I realized that I hadn't really figured that out. And my work wasn't really about not doing people and animals and doing real figures. What that really was about, I think, deep on a deeper level was maybe some insecurity. Like, worried that I couldn't do them well, which is not true. Or that I... Um, or that it's part of my style, like it's part of my thing. And I think that if I did any of those things, it would water it down and make it too much like other people's. But really, that wasn't true. And so that thing in my work wasn't working. And actually, I was missing out not only on the enjoyment of figuring out how do I draw people, how do I draw different animals, and doing the abstraction there and reference and all that. I love doing that stuff. Um, and I've been doing it more and more. I had to take stock of like what was working and what wasn't working and be honest with myself. And I ta- and I did I went through some of the processes that I'm going to talk about in a minute. The last thing that I think um that the kind of um the last thing on why I feel like this really works or why this is really important is that you have to understand it's about voices. So you have to be able to There's so many competing voices in your own heart and mind and then in your life with your friends, your family, your peers, your industry, Twitter, everything. There's all these voices constantly telling you, do this, do that, you know, and they're all competing and they're all contradicting. I think you see this with students all the time. Students are constantly complaining. This teacher said this and then this teacher said something else and then blah, 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 blah. You're like, here's the thing. Yes, no one's going to give you the same answer. They're going to conflict. What you have to do is get quiet in your own self. And what a self-awareness does, it allows you to know which feedback to use. Now, the more self-aware you are, the more authentic you are, the more you understand what your values and aspirations are. And when you get a sense of those things, now when I go ask someone for feedback... I know why I'm asking them because I think I'm going to ask you because you are really good at this one thing that I really want. Now, when that person starts giving me a bunch of feedback in other areas, I still listen to it, but I go, but I filter it and I think, okay, I hear you, but I'm going to take it with a grain of salt because what I was asking you about was color and now you're telling me about figure drawing. Or what I was asking you about, uh, I don't know. I, I can't come up with another thing. But you, you know, you get the point. So that's kind of what, that's, so these are the reasons I think it's so important, okay? So here's a few, I've got a few things that like have helped me um, get a, a clearer sense of self-awareness and, and understanding of who I am and how maybe other people are responding to me as a person in relationships and also responding to my work. One of the things, one of the top things, number one, I think, is like um, solitude. And I think for some people, this is easier than for other people. But I think one of the biggest things you can do is spend time alone. And now I think um, beyond spending time alone, I think in that solitude, a really good practice is some form of free association, and I think this was developed by um, uh, Sigmund Freud about 
like letting your subconscious just go. Now, some people like to write and just write three pages, no judgment, no, um, you know, no uh, uh, worries, just spitting out whatever comes to your pencil, just writing it down and doing several pages of just writing and not, and just letting it all flow. I like to do it. I do it with these podcasts a little bit, but I, I actually record a lot more of these than I actually publish. And sometimes, usually when I start on a topic, I'll just start talking and record it and kind of see where it goes. Um, I don't publish those ones, but that's usually how I get to the bottom of what I really think. And then I'll try to write about it. And I'll just write and write and write and try to write about all the different um, things that come to me. So I think that that really works. I think that, uh, and you'll have to, um, excuse me, I think I've got a little bit of a cold going on. Um, so my breathing's kind of crappy, but stick with me. Um, so I think that, uh, I think the stream of consciousness, free association, just brain dump in any, I think trying to do it a bunch of different ways. Another way of doing it is going on to Pinterest, go on to Pinterest and just create a pin board. that's a free association and just go down the rabbit hole of Pinterest and pin anything that moves you or then make another pin board of everything you absolutely hate. But just go down. Don't judge it. Just go, 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 go. Pen, 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 pen. Why I think that's important is uh, my next point. So, um, uh, I think it's Jess Lively. Um, she was on Grace Bonnie's podcast, and she talked about this practice of um, trusting your gut and kind of getting past your ego. I think this is such a big deal when it comes to self-awareness, maybe the most important point. So the second thing I think that's a big, big action step is either when you're um, doing the free association or when you're spending time alone, I think what's really important to do is understand um, there's two voices in your head predominantly. One is, I think Seth Godin calls it the lizard brain. This is your animal brain. There's a part of your brain that's just like any other animal in a lot of ways. Like, it's your instincts. And it's driven by those core feelings of fear um, and instinct. And it, it, it's risk-averse. It's competitive. It's survival of the fittest. It's animalistic. Now, as a human, that's, that's, that's a basis thing that you need. But it's not the thing that's going to make your art amazing. That's not the thing that's going to make you transcendent as a person. Because that's your animal voice. And some people, I think it's almost synonymous with your ego and your persona. It's, it's, I think that you've got to break past those things. You've got to, I call your persona your Facebook self. You've got to move on past who you want other people to think you are. And you've got to dig deep into who you really are. You've got to not cling to this Facebook self, this pretty version of the trendy self, you can't cling to that. You got to push past. If you're going to do the right art, if you're going to do your real path, if you're going to do the the good stuff, you got to push past that Facebook self down to the your gut. And you listen to the voice that's. I I feel like it's almost more in my gut than my head. And it's a quiet voice. That's the thing that sucks. It's quieter. 
It's just like on the internet. The trolls are louder, right? The haters are louder. They're the loudest voice. Just like that. That's, that's your ego. Your, your, the thoughts you're having 90% of the time that, you, that are the loudest, that are the most obvious, that's your lizard brain telling you, protect yourself. Don't risk. Don't stand out. Those are the opposite things that you need to do for a really powerful, uh, successful art career. So I think the practice is go be alone. It's kind of like meditation where that ego is going to talk. And maybe you just don't judge it. You just let it just speak. Hear it. Take note of it. Like part of me is wanting to do these things. Then ask yourself, what do you really feel about those things? And get quiet about it. Think about it. Listen to that, that deeper voice, the tr- more true self of who you are. I think that's the biggest way to kind of gain some clarity and some self-awareness. Well, I'm going to come back to that in a little bit at the end. The third thing that I do is personality tests on a regular basis. I like the Myers-Briggs test. Uh, that works for me. And every uh, maybe twice a year I do it. I kind of update um, the kind of new things that I've realized about myself and how maybe I'm thinking about myself in, in the season of life that I'm currently in and read through that and remind myself of some of the kind of natural tendencies I have. Myers-Briggs, you can do that test by just going through Google. There's a lot of different personality tests. Everybody has their favorites. I'm not talking about any of the ones that are on BuzzFeed. I'm not talking about which uh, Game of Thrones character you are. I'm talking about real psychoanalysis tests that um, have some kind of substantial evidence in their favor. And, you know, I'm thinking, understanding, knowing, you know, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. or I'm a little bit of both. Or I, I tend to be an extrovert. But when I get under stress, I'm more of an introvert. Um, understanding... Whether you're someone who responds to art in an intellectual way or you responds to it in an emotional way. I personally respond to art in an emotional way. And it's, the truth is the, a lot of the stuff that people find as uh, clever um, when it comes to art doesn't move me at all. But I wasn't always aware of it. And it caused me to make some of that kind of stuff. But I didn't do a good job of it because I didn't believe in it. I don't like pithy little things. It's not that I dislike them. I, it just doesn't do anything for me. I like stories. I like narratives. I like emotion. I like the visceral response to something. But I know that because I know I'm a feeler and not a thinker. And so it's stuff like that that's helped me get, gain some clarity in my path. Like I'm not going to make these little pithy um, kind of novel idea pun stuff. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I I totally embrace and support, and I'm excited about people that are more like that. I think that's great for them because lots of people are obsessed with that stuff. I'm not. That's not me. Doing that work's not authentic to me. You know, I know that what my comedy taste is when it comes to comedy. I know I like absurd things, but I like absurd within reality. So I know that a movie that's like a comedy that has absurd, absurdist humor but within the, the, the spectrum of the real world, that I really like that. I don't like when it's an absurd world. So it's just like that's where my taste has grown. That's where I've, I've narrowed down who I am and what I – and I'm aware of how I'm feeling at all these times. So I think that's a really uh, a good thing to do. 
The fourth thing I think that's really, really helpful is peer, um, peer and mentor feedback. People, um, I think the people that you see as like peer mentors and then, and then mentors that are ahead of you, you should be choosing those people really well and you should know them really well and you should understand what kind of feedback you're looking for when you go to them. And that's going to take time to develop. But I think it's so important to have these people that you trust that can be really honest with you and say, look, that work you just made, it's not you. Or that work you just made, it hit something new. I've got a, I've got a few friends that they know me, they know my work deeply. And when I do, when I make a breakthrough, they know it and they respond to it. And they're like, look, what you just did, you just hit on something totally different, new, next level. Most people don't even pick up on that because the truth is most people aren't paying attention that closely and they don't know you that well. But those people, when they recognize that stuff, there's also times when I think I make a breakthrough and they don't respond. And that helps me think maybe I didn't make as big big breakthrough as I thought I did. So I think that kind of feedback from the peers that you really trust and the mentors that you really trust, um, that's where you start developing an understanding and a dialogue on who you really are. I think it's those close relationships that um, I've had. You know, one of the things that I've struggled with uh, self-awareness in the past is when I, you know, I can be such a, I can be, I can get so in the moment and I can say so, I can talk so much that I end up saying stuff that really offends people and I never mean it to. Um, And I think that in the, uh, in the past, there's been times when I've really upset people that are close to me. Um, Without, without realizing it or meaning to at all. And it's through those relationships and picking up on having a self-awareness that says, that person seems a little bit upset. And I'm going to ask them, did I upset you? And, just be, and, and, that, and that actually grows it, grows my self-awareness. Because then they say, yeah, you know when you said that thing? That offended me. That help, helped me develop um, a more nuanced approach to relationships and understanding what types of things I say and do that could upset people. And it's helped me be more diplomatic in ways that are important. So another example of that is in the past when I would do interviews, I would unintentionally diss people or diss places or things um, or say things that are extremely hurtful. And one of the ways that would uh, work is, you know, my mom, she never, um, she doesn't have the internet. She doesn't have any way of like following any of my stuff and, I never really thought about um, some of the times that I've said some really harsh things in the past about her in interviews or in personal kind of interactions. And then I've realized I've, um, how to be more kind in the way that I, I talk about her and I talk about my own experiences in ways that I'm still being really honest and maybe even more thoughtful and more true with, and being less hurtful. So those are the kinds of ways that I think um, picking up on feedback uh, can really help you. But then I think it helps, uh, you know, I, I don't tell you all that to like help your personal life. I tell you all that because I think it relates back to uh, your work. So understanding when you made something that people really genuinely responded to versus they were just trying to be nice or trying to, um, I don't know, get network, whatever, like being able to pick up on the differences and the nuance of way people genuinely respond and when, when they don't. 
The fifth thing is uh, I like to think of my life in seasons. And I think um, the biggest thing for this is I think when you think of your life as one whole chunk of things. You know, I think when you look at science, it's like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, um, I don't know what the timelines are here, but, you know, I know in science it says that with science, it, uh, science, I like speaking of it in this broad, like science said that, uh, well, that's how little I know about science actually, but I do know that, uh, I don't know if it's like every 30 days or whatever, your, your skin is a totally new skin. It's not, it's made of no parts that your skin was before that. And then every seven years, every cell in your body is different than it was seven years ago. So technically, you're a totally different being in a, in a lot of ways, in a physical way. And I think that when you think of your life as this whole thing, you, you lack self-awareness. So you think of yourself like you've always been in uh, the same way, and you're doing the same things, and you're shooting for the same things. I think you're missing the nuance of living your life season to season. Like in this season, I'm about something, and, and, I'm, and I'm aware of what I'm thinking and feeling and doing. And, you're, and I think that you see a lot of, um, you know, I never want to be this musician I'm not a musician, but I would not want to be one of these musicians who explodes and has this innovative, amazing career in their 20s and 30s and then keeps doing the same thing forever and never, and, and never does anything new after that. It just feels like such a waste. And I think part of that is it's like getting too sure about who you are. Thinking, um, I figured this thing out about myself and I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life. And I think that's what, when thinking of your life in seasons actually really helps. So thinking about, okay, at one point I was all about line work and my illustration and that was true to me and that's what I wanted to do. Now, if I blindly stick to that for the rest of my life, I might miss out opportunities because later on I realized actually what I like is collage and shapes. And it's okay to change that because I developed and I grew. My taste actually became more refined. And some of the things I, was, I realized, some of the things I was trying to do with lines, actually, it's way more effective to do them with shapes. And so I think it's, it's that kind of um, thinking of your life and seasons that really helps uh, kind of develop a nuanced, growing version of self-awareness that's not entrenched in your persona or who you think you, you are. Um, the, the last one, so six is thinking in facts. Now there are no real facts, I think when it comes to art, because it's all subjective, but I do think that there's something about, um, taking note of some of these things. Now I think you can take this to an extreme degree and really do some negative things, but I think it helps like. When you made a poster or you made a print, say you made five prints, and I see them kind of like experiments and tests. And I don't, I try not to think of it like driven by the market, like the one that sells the most is the best for me. Um, And I'm going to kind of give you a disclaimer about that in a second, but I try not to think like that. I try to think like, um, say I have five of these posters and I think of it a little bit like of a science experiment and I'm always under the impression that the most successful me will be a combination of things that really, really fulfill me and people really, really respond to it. Now it's a combination of both of those things. So if I sell, I've got five posters, right? 
and I'm selling them over two years, let's say, and I take them to, um, you know, art shows and I take them to, uh, you know, online shops and, and different venues and, all, you know, I'm taking them across a long period of time. It's not just a short period of time because I think you have a long period of time, so big testing range, diverse group of people, um, uh, different opportunities, and then over time looking at the sales. Now, there might be one poster that just sells the best but also really doesn't feel good to me, doesn't feel right to me. If it doesn't feel right to me, I get rid of it right away. So just take that one out of the, the equation. Now you've got four more posters. Now, the facts are this one sold the most, but this one sold the second most. Now that second most sold almost as much, but I loved making it way more. Now I think having the awareness and the, and, and, and the analysis to say, to pick up on, people really, really respond to this or, or having the self-awareness of like maybe that third poster that I loved making that sold, um, almost as uh, good as the one that sold the most thinking people in person responded to this one the most. They really loved it. And maybe a poster just wasn't the right place to put this type of work. And so I'm going to shift and say, that work was the work I liked making the most. People responded to most, even though it wasn't the most sales. And I'm going to turn it into, maybe that's going to work better in, uh, in a book or in a zine. So I think taking the data, I think data is actually important. I think it can be a little bit misleading because if you just purely go off numbers and say, this poster sold the most, but you hate making that work and maybe it's derivative or something, that data can mislead you. But if you're self-aware and you say, you take in all the information about how you're feeling and then how other people are responding and then also what the numbers say. I think that can also apply to your social media. Everybody knows you're going to put something on Instagram that's gonna, that you didn't really like that people go wild for. There's actually parts of my business that are like that that I've actually closed down because I just don't like doing them. I'm just not enjoying it. And I try to have a level of self-awareness to realize there's something about this, even though people love it, I'm not going to do it because it just doesn't feel right to me, to, to, to who I really am. So I think it is important to look at the data, look at the facts, um, but do it in a way that's, that's nuanced and, uh, and self-aware. So I want to come back to Truman real quick and just say, um, you know, I feel like, I think it's Ed Harris plays Kristoff. Uh, He's the director of Truman's life. He lives in the, in the moon on the set of Truman. Uh, and I look at Ed Harris as your ego, your lizard brain. He's the person that's in your mind that's trying to make all the decisions. And they're all based on whether people are affirming you. They're based on um, pleasure. They're based on fear. There's and and all of those things that that uh, Ed Harris are doing um, is trying to keep you from doing your real work, to living your real path as a creative artist. I think that there's there's this part of you that's fighting against you finding your real thing. Some of the biggest decisions I've ever made have been led by the quietest voice in me. And sometimes it's a persistent voice. That's the good news. So sometimes there's this little itch that keeps saying, 
you might want to try this. You might want to try this. You might want to try this. That's the good, the only, the only thing I think that's good about that true self of you that, um, or the, the thing that actually works and the, and the thing that's not so scary is that Ed Harris, Kristoff, the guy in the moon, he shows himself sometimes, the ego, because he's the loudest voice. Sometimes those, those, they're so loud and the, and your, and your ego and your lizard brain is so loud and so, uh, in your face that you, that you notice that it's the lizard brain. And I think there were times in Truman's life when, um, I think about when he's trying to drive away and he's trying to drive to places he's never been and the ego that uses fear and in this case, it's Ed Harris, Kristoff. He's used uh, a fear of water for Truman he, against him from recognizing the, his true self and his real life. So he knows that Truman won't want to drive over any bridge. So he puts him on, on, on an island so he can never get out. And when Truman finally goes over the bridge... Then all of a sudden, a series of these crazy unrealistic events are happening where these people in the hazmat suit and there's a fire and there's a crash and then there's just all this stuff that's trying to stop him from finding his real self. Sometimes that's living your true, your true life. The signs are fear. The signs are there's a million things trying to stop you from doing this thing or trying to get you to spend time doing the type of work that you should really do. Sometimes when I'm doing really important work, that's when there's the most distractions. And, and usually what happens is it goes from like a mild level distractions where they're just kind of distracting me to where it's so over the top that I recognize I must be doing the real work that I'm supposed to be doing because the resistance has totally shown itself. The lizard brain has made it clear because he's gone too far and I caught him. I think that so often it's like that. Now, I think that self-awareness is a lot like you and, and you finding what your real path and, and who you really are and who, what the work you're really supposed to be doing is so much like the end of that movie with Truman. And he's facing his fear. He's on the water. The waves are crashing. Ed Harris, the, the ego, the lizard brain, turns up the water and the waves to 11. Truman almost dies. And it's such a... I love that movie. I love that part where he crashes into the horizon because it's a wall and he and he sees that staircase and that door is the door into his real path off the side road off the persona facebook self all off of the where the lizard brain has got him that's that door and he steps up those doors and he says uh and in case i don't see you Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, or something like that. And I love that. I just think it's it's just such a good moment, such a good triumph and breakthrough. And I, I really do feel like, as cheesy as it is and as kind of over the top, I feel like that true thing, your real voice, whatever your real thing is in your art career, that thing is, uh, is, is this... Um, it, there's this one thing, or there's this path that you have that's going to hit the inflection point that um, it's going to meet a demand from other people that other people are going to respond to and it's going to fulfill you and it's going to be your thing. I think that that exists for everybody that's, that has a creative um, professional path. And I think that 
such a big part of it is being able to recognize who you really are and what you really think and feel and how what other people are really responding to and ignoring the things that are making you afraid or, you know, causing you to not take risks. All right. I got sufficiently pepped up and emotional, which means that I've done my, my job on this podcast. And you know, I'm just going to reiterate what I always say. The people that have come and, uh, you know, reviewed things on iTunes and given me feedback and all that, that's been so good because this is a, this is, does feel like my, my real self. It does feel like me putting my um, kind of vulnerable thoughts and ideas out there and being uh, met with encouraging feedback has been super helpful and it's helped me um, keep it going. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for all the feedback and I'll try to uh, be back soon with some uh, more creative pep talks. Thanks.